we're in. We're all here. So that's that's the important part. Yay! We're gonna do Yay! It. Gonna, this is gonna be chaos. I'm so excited. I love this. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Four of us? This is fun. Like Amanda, we thought we it was just gonna be me and you, and now we got two guests on one ah, podcast. Look I thought us. it was just gonna be me. How did you guys get so lucky, honestly? Honestly. No, it was amazing. Like Astro texted me and was like, Oh my god, I'm listening to the episode with you. I'm gonna do it next week. And I was like, Well, you're gonna do it with me next week, and I don't care if you don't agree with that. <laughs> When I started this, I literally thought it would be me and, like, if I could get a guest, maybe. And that, then I got my co-host. I'm so excited. Now I have all four of you. And I know I introduced Woo! at least two of you to this show, which is great. It makes me so happy. I remember forcing Asher to watch it in my dorm room. You coerced me with food, too. I like, did. You were like, come on over. I Guess what I have? Food. And I was like, oh, yeah. I guess I'll go. Wait, are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Asher, okay. Asher lived Sorry. down the hall from me and in college, and he would literally, like, tweet, like, I really want blueberry muffins right now, and I'd show up at his door with, like, mini blueberry muffins, like, two seconds later. Everyone needs that friend. We <laughs> all need that, that That's, like, the best friend to have. <laughs> I don't know if I would have survived my freshman year if Amanda didn't live literally probably, like, six rooms down from me. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> like, uh, because Asher lived on, like, the way that our building was, there was rooms whose windows faced inside to, like, a little fishbowl courtyard area, and there's rooms with windows that went outside to, like, the outdoors, and he lived on an inside-facing room, and those rooms are actual hell on earth. Um, I didn't see sunlight for an entire year, and the person who designed the building designs prisons. Like, they literally hired someone to design a college dorm room whose entire resume is prisons. Yes. I actually just I just met a casting director like two weeks ago who I think taught at Montclair. Her name was Megan Rafferty. I don't know, neither of you are actors, so I don't know if that means anything to you. But what are you talking about? I'm a professional actor. (laughs) Okay, I'm right. I'm so sorry. I mean you did you did appear in the the seminal classic Wet World alongside a wonderful Simone. I don't even want to talk about Alongside that. and deeply covered in lipstick because of Simone. Yes. Yeah. One day we will convince Tom Hornberger to release What World onto the world. And we will get to Please. This is my formal. I'm calling out Tom Hornberger. Um, release What World. Or I, I'll just keep talking about it on this podcast until you do. <laughs> Give the we'll people what they want. We'll just become a Wet World podcast. I don't know about Shameless. Fuck yeah. Wet World podcast all the oh, way. Oh, Wet World podcast right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this great. fictional? Like, is it a recap of it? Or would we just continue the, the story that no, is Wet World? Let's continue like, the story. Oh, right. great. The side story with you and Simone's characters. We're just going on that journey. <laughs> I mean, guys, that was the real story. That was the only story that anybody cared about. Oh, it was, it was actually a documentary. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we must break into, not break into, we got permission the first time we were there for legal reasons, I'm going to say that, um, Sahara Sam's, and just have the whole place to ourselves again. Because I can't imagine they're opening up anytime soon. Probably not. Indoor water so should, parks. Should we, should we talk about Shameless, maybe? Yes, Ever? let's talk about Shameless. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> maybe, so let's do, let's do a quick I mean, time. honestly, I think, I think like, we're all pretty Shameless people, so I think that that, we're kind of already talking about Shameless. Yes. You know, just by existing. What I mean, we have, our, 
We have our Emmy Russell. Like Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm media trained. We have our Emmy <laughs> Russell. We all like frequently like ask your guests what um what they're shameless about or if they're shameful of anything. No, I we do not. But let's first it has to be a scale. How shameful are you feeling today? <laughs> but let's introduce ourselves before we get into that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Luck We Had, a Shameless Recap podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Amanda. Hello, I'm Evan. And today we have two, count of two, very special guests with us. We've got Simone Policano, our reigning queen. She's returning yet again to us. And we've got my purse close my friend, Asher Sosinski. So wonderful to have you on the pod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) I'm so excited. Asher and I went to college together and we were film majors together and we we thrived and lived with each other and uh it was it was great thrived is a strong word <laughs> when we endured we we were great roommates we were great roommates and uh we we uh decided to all get together and talk about this week's episode of shameless but we, before we get into that we've heard my shameless story we've heard evan's shameless story and simone asher how did you get into our wonderful show called shameless well funny you should ask um you know as as we said amanda and i went to college together and we lived on the hall in freshman year and she would never stop talking about this show and now normally when people don't stop talking about shows i am very adamantly against it because (laughs) i don't know it's like being told what to do and you know i got you know, I don't like that stuff. So, um, somehow she ended up luring me to her room with food, which this sounds so terrifying, but it was much, it was much more friendly than it comes off. Um, but you know, I lived on an inside facing room and she had some type of sunlight and, you know, it's convenient to have a friend that lives approximately like 200 feet down the hall um, so we we spent quite a good amount of time together our freshman year. Um, and I think one time we were, if I remember this correctly, I feel like it started by you had asked me to come over to do some homework. And you were like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put this show on in the background. I'm writing a paper on it. One of like probably 50 million that she's written. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I see what you're doing. I see that you're you're just putting this on because you're hoping that I will uh, watch it. And I did. Um, and it, it wasn't bad. You know, it, it, it's not that I never wanted to not watch it because I was against the actual show. It was more just Amanda hounding me constantly about it. Um, but then we watched it. And honestly, I don't remember how far we got. I think it was at least like three seasons, but I am not lying. I could not tell you a single thing. Like when I rewatched this last night, like there were parts that I was like, okay, I think I remember seeing that human's face. Uh, but the overall plot, I think I just mentally blocked that entire year out. So that's probably why. Um, but yeah, so when I was re-watching last night, um, I, I didn't really remember much of what was going on in the episode or or up up to that part in the season as it is. I think if it was freshman year, we probably got to seasons three or four because that was around that time. But yeah, Asher literally texted me last night. Wait, who is this black baby? Who, who is this? 
I have like no idea because the thing is, since okay, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch like from season one up to what was it, season uh, episode eight or whatever. Yeah. I only watched the episode for this podcast, so it's not like I even had a refresher of. I don't remember the people's names. I don't remember what's going on. Honestly, um, that's the thing with Shameless. Like you can watch some random episode and not need to know any further plot and like you'll still be fine <laughs> yeah I could, I could pretty much follow what was going on for the most part i guess it also helped that i did listen to last week's episode um so i was like okay i kind of remember a bit of who these people are but not nearly enough to um to i couldn't take a test on it i would fail that test well, me, first, me and freaking Amanda would ace that day. <laughs> well, thank you for the listen. And uh, and I, you know, I'm super glad for that perspective. I know Simone and you are like not as deep into the show as Evan and I are, which is like a super nice way to kick things off. Um, so let's do that. Uh, if everybody's ready. Shameless, season one, episode eight. It's time to kill the turtle. Uh, this episode aired on February 27th, 2011. And it was written by Nancy Pimentel and Nathan Jackson. Now, Nancy's a big shameless writer. She's written 25 episodes through all 10 seasons. So, like, at least a couple episodes a season. And she wrote, she was at least credited as a writer on the legend of an episode that is season four, episode 11, Emily. Just like, oh, that episode is perfection. Um, it's the episode, sorry, spoiler alert for season four. It's the episode where Mickey comes out in front of his entire homophobic family at his son's christening, just so that Ian won't walk away from him again. And he screams about uh, loving to suck dick on the hood of a cop car. It's, oh, it's masterful. It's so I, good. An iconic moment, honestly. Iconic. Like, oh, so good. Uh, Nancy is also credited as a producer in some form on every episode throughout the series. Uh, oh, damn. Yeah. Or at least and let's just take a moment to shout out female producers. Woo! We love that for her. Yes. And then uh, Nathan Jackson is also credited as a writer on this episode. He was a writer on seven episodes in the first season. This was the very last Shameless episode he was credited as a writer on. He only has two other writing credit credits on IMDb, Lights Out and Southland. And that's it. That's all the information I could find on this man. I don't uh. know if he changed his name, Is if he's still a writer. No idea. But he wrote seven episodes of Shameless and then poof, went away. And then it was directed by Scott Frank. This is his one and only episode of Shameless that he directed. But he was also a writer, director, and producer on things like the show Godless, the movie Get Shorty, Minority <laughs> Report, Marley and Me, Logan. Like, this is a heavy hitter kind of man. Yeah. Also, like, you just named five movies that could not be more different from one another. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so amazing. I'm like, okay, so when I watched Marley and Me, I was, like, on a plane, and I, like, sobbed by myself silently. Minority Report is just, like, an amazing action movie. Get short. Like, these are all just so different. They're so wildly different. None of them are even near, like, the vibe of Shameless, too. Like, this man has range. And so, yeah, he directed this episode, and the synopsis of this episode, when Frank gives up drinking, Sheila worries he'll no longer be attracted to her, while Carl and Debbie enjoy having their dad back, Despite lip warning that it won't last, Fiona barely notices that Steve's behaving suspiciously. Because she's she's too fucking busy running a household. Fiona doesn't pay attention right, like, to Steve like regardless. Of, like, 
of like Fiona and Steve is like he's you know doing his like I'm a pretty white man who's like angsty and has problems and she's like I'm literally running a family I don't what do you ta- I don't care I don't know like go away <laughs> like you said last week his vibe is trying to get her to run away with him while she's furiously packing meat into a freezer yes actively <laughs> Uh, so we'll start with the previously on. The previously on was done by Lip, only the second character other than Frank to do the previously on. So we had Frank for the first few episodes, Fiona did the previously on last week, and Lip did the previously on this week. We're starting to branch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not just not just Bill Macy carrying this show. We get reminded in the previously on about the foster child Kevin V are going to take in, that Linda knows about her pedophile husband, fucking Ian, uh... We, we get reminded that Ian and Mickey hooked up and Ian is a perfect precious Woo! angel. And uh, that Lip got caught taking the SATs for other people and the man that caught him is like impressed with him as a student and told him to hit him up sometime. So that's the previously on. That gets you caught up. Are you are you good to jump in here, Ash? I, are you I ready? did see, I did watch the previously on. I did not skip that because I did not watch the previously on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we open up first shot, the L speeds past, and we, like, this is just a waste of time uh, shot. The L speeds past, we see Frank, he's drunkenly wandering down the, like, wintry Chicago street, mumbling to himself, as he does in a Frank way, and then he passes out, and we stare at that for a while, and we waste some time. And then we cut over to the Gallagher house chaos. Everybody's getting ready for school and shit. Fiona is putting the grocery shopping list together. And, like, they're all in the bathroom together. Like, Ian is showering and Lip is brushing his teeth. And Carl is doing something. And Fiona's got... Oh, no, Lip is, like, putting a towel around Liam's waist because they ran out of diapers. Oh, yeah, he's, like, duct taping it and stuff. (laughs) It's chaos in the bathroom. Um... And Fiona's, like, putting together a grocery shopping list, and Lip tells Fiona he can't contribute to the money for the groceries because the SAT thing isn't a thing anymore. And Carl says that he got invited to a paintball party, but he can't afford to go, so he's not going. So he's just playing with this deactivated taser Lip gave him. And Fiona takes the taser and just gives Carl the grocery store money so that he can go to the party. Because she's an amazing sister. She's such a good sister. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to skid past the fact that Lip gave Carl a deactivated taser to play with because Carl was sad. <laughs> and listen, you gotta, you know, you, you work with what you've got. I feel like that is the true tagline of Shameless. Shameless. You work with what you've got. With what you got. Okay, real question. Where did they get, did they explain where they got this taser? Or did they, I just they don't miss explain that where they get anything. Yep. You'll see them with all types of weapons, and we'll never have an explanation. <laughs> yeah, baseline rule for Shameless, we don't get explanations for anything. No, you don't ask questions. You just kind of watch and expect that they got it somehow. <laughs> They're going to mention something that they will forget 20 minutes later. It's it's yeah. fine. We're fine with it. We're not bitter. Uh, so, so Fiona gives Carl the grocery money so that he can go to this party, and he's very excited, and it's very cute, and she's an amazing sister. Debbie finds Steve's phone while all of this is going on, and a woman named Candace is texting Steve. Excuse me, sir. Who the fuck is Candace? Which is never, which is never a good. Like, listen, I'm sorry if any of you guys have like people in your life who you love named Candace, but I feel like I've never met a Candace who wasn't causing some sort of trouble. You know yeah, what no, I mean? Like, I agree. Whenever I think the Shout Candace, out to all the Candaces listening. What is the plural of Candace? Is it Candy? 
<laughs> well, that would just be Candy. Wait, so if you, if people whose name is Candace but they go by Candy, does that mean that there's there's like more than one of them? I feel like Candy. Are they just really two people in a trench coat? <laughs> candy That's, needs to be reserved. Oh my god, I used to know somebody named Candy. Candy. I think they just blew the lid on the Candace conspiracy theory. Candace Gate two K twenty. Sorry, Candace. We see you. Candy we, we is a name that needs to be reserved. We see you. It needs to be reserved for sex workers and drag queens. They're the only ones worthy of of a name like Candy. Like fully agree. Fully agree. But it has to be spelled with a K, not a C. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, K A N D I S is the only one I want. <laughs> Candace. No, you know, no, K A N D Y S. That's the ultimate, Candace. <laughs> okay, we got to get out of this, Candace. We don't know who the fuck Candace is, but she's texting. Okay, wait. So shit. you don't. So you don't know who Candace is prior to this episode. No, 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 no. we have no clue who Candace is. Okay, so it wasn't just me completely in the dark. No, this no, is no, 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 no. First appearance of cool. Candace. Cool. I feel very included. Thank yeah, no. You. This is like the first mention of her, and then the her she prolongs throughout this season. So Fiona brushes off the fact that Debbie's like, some woman is texting Steve. Fiona's like, don't, please don't worry about that. And moves on. And we go over to Kevin V's house. And Kev is waking V up with some kinky mommy talk. And V's like, let's cut that shit out. (laughs) And like, it's very sweet though. Kev just- I I just think that if, I'm sorry, I just say, I think that if everybody in the world were a sex positive- as Kevin and V are, like everything would be fine. Like, yeah, that is we would have no problems. I don't even world. know if I'm looking for my Kevin or my V, hashtag bisexual problems, but I'm looking <laughs> for probably both of them at the same time. Like, this is all I want. I, I love it. And, and, and Kevin, Kev just wants to be a dad. Like, it's so sweet and earnest. He's just like, I was a foster kid and I had oh shared foster parents and I want to be a good Yes, genuine kid. desire to be a father. I love it. Like he just wants—he just wants to be what he couldn't have when he was a child. Like, oh, oh right. And you're like heart. him contrasted with Frank. You're like, wow, these kids had a dad who were like even one inch closer on the Kevin scale, or like closer to Kevin on the scale between Kevin and Frank in terms of how good of a dad they would be. Like, they would be fine. <laughs> and like, oh, I love him. But V's like, you know, if we had a kid, we couldn't walk around naked or do. And sh- she's very like. We're inappropriate for children. We're just doing this so that we can get a check for having a foster kid. And she, Correct. like, dials it down back to being kinky. But, like, they're still really sweet, and I love them. What's the age comparison between, um, what are the names? Ke- Kevin V. and, like, all the kids. Right, wait, so, Fiona's the oldest, right? Yeah, I think so they're Fiona a few years in older. This time. Didn't, so, Amanda, we figured out that Fiona in this time is probably, like, 20s, like, really early 20s, 2021. 20, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's 21. I think Kev and V are, like, 23, 24. I think they're, like, a little bit older than, than no, I think I No, I think they're way older than her because I think, like, recently, like, I looked at their thing. I think they're at least, like, a good five years older than Fiona. Wait, so Fiona's supposed to be 21 at this point? Yes. Yeah, so Fiona's supposed to be okay. 21. So yeah, Kevin V are like a, a, a few years older than Fiona and a little bit more matured in some sense. But they're they're going to take in a foster kid, but first they're going to fuck and good for them. And we then we go back to the Gallagher house. Fiona, after, now keep in mind, she's just seen a woman named Candace texting him. She crawls into bed with Steve and she's being all sexy. And she's like, do you like this or this? And kissing him and stuff. And then she, I guess, 
starts to give him a blowjob. She's like, do you like this? Or, and then slams his phone on his face. I don't know if you've ever dropped your phone on your face, but that shit hurted. Yeah, um, she full on whacks him with that phone. Like you can hear, I don't even think that was a sound effect. It was just like, thwack. It was, it was great. Who the fuck is Candace? Comes out of Fiona's mouth. And they fight about it. And Fiona tries to get out of bed, but Steve, like, flips her over and assures Fiona he's not fucking around on her. And she's like, well, even if you're fucking around, don't lie to me about it. And then they start angrily kissing. And, like, the chemistry, she bubbles. What, Simone, you were saying that before, right? Like, they've got, they've got incredible chemistry. It's just, like, they just have incredible chemistry. And it's just, and they're, like, they're such, like, fun, chill, wonderful people. You're like, how do these two, thank God these two people found each other. Also, like, just, and, like, this is obviously such a thing for this whole show in general, but I love, and, like, it becomes, you know, there's different conversations about it at different points, but, like, the interracial relationship, like, and how that's, like, it's not presented as, like, a big fucking deal. It's just, like, these are two people who are in love, and, like, she happens to be a black woman, and he happens to be a white man. Look. We, uh, you know. Yeah. Like, Kevin V are, like, the standard that I think Fiona is holding herself to with her relationship with Steve, which is nice. Yeah. But they're, like, starting to, like, kind of angry hook up. And then Steve phone rings, and he leaves. He doesn't, he stops <laughs> having sex with Fiona and leaves? He makes me so mad. Do you see her? <laughs> I don't understand. Like what I you're just kind of like you so deeply don't deserve her. You don't even understand what you don't understand about how little you deserve her. You pretty white boy, go back from whence you came. <laughs> and we go back from that confusing, disappointing scene uh, to a hospital bed where Frank is laying, surrounded by doctors, and he's got some weird shit strapped to his head. And one of the doctors wakes him up by slapping him in the face. Because apparently he's been unconscious for two days with alcohol poisoning and nobody could wake him up any other way. The doctors are fascinated by his spectacular alcoholism. And they say, if you can go two weeks without drinking, we will give you $3,000. Also, I want to point this out that they put an ankle monitor on him and that's able to tell if he ingests alcohol. Like, how does, first of all, what even is the right. science? <laughs> What even is that? It's like, it, it. that moment reminded me of how, like, I see, sometimes you'll see, like, a tampon commercial, and it's a girl being like, oh, I have cramps. Thank God I have tampons. And you're like, okay, so nine men wrote this script, because guess <laughs> what? Those two things have nothing to do with each other, but cool. Absolutely. Like, you're like, how is this angle monitor going to tell you if he's consumed alcohol? It's not. It'd be different if they had, like, shit inside of him and like other tests but like it's just an ankle monitor that is connected to this like, crazy like machine in the hospital room like <laughs> and it has three other individuals on it too like because there's two other people that are they're doing this experiment on that i think what failed it already amanda did I, they i don't know zero doctors were consulted on this yeah on this no one cared they just were having their own little fun they probably paid out of pocket. So yeah, he gets like pretty much a, a house arrest style ankle monitor put on his put on his ankle. Then that'll if the light turns red, they know that he drank and he doesn't get the three grand. So Frank's Frank's goal for this episode is don't drink, then I'll get three thousand dollars. So then he can drink with three thousand dollars. <laughs> so we cut from that uh, to Anna Mandy walking down the street 
And Mandy is bitching about a horrible girl who tried to borrow her eyeliner, even though she had pink eye. And Mandy was absolutely <laughs> correct not to lend that girl her eyeliner. And Ian and Mandy are best friends, and it's adorable, and I love them. I but love them. Ian is not listening to her story, because he is all up in his head, smitten, because he slept with someone, not cash. But he can't tell her, because it's a guy who's on the down low. It's your brother, Mandy. <laughs> it's your brother. <laughs> That awkward moment when... You're fucking your fake girlfriend's brother. But, like, we love Mandy and Ian's friendship is just... It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's... Okay, so, like I said, obviously I have not watched up to um, this episode, so I didn't really remember what was going on. So I was kind of trying to figure out, like, how these people knew each other, what their specific relationship was. So, yeah, Mandy is Mickey's sister. And Ian and Mandy are fake dating because like she knows he's gay but she also wants men to leave her alone at school so they just say that they're dating but they're best friends and it's really cute we love it just be a great world if they didn't have to do that and they could just you know not have to worry about those things yeah (laughs) yes this was also season one yeah so we are we are a while ago in time but i mean like that's true it's still a thing for sure but this was 2011 i think and yeah. Mandy, straight yeah. up Mandy's just lonely. And I think Ian is too. Ian's got classic middle child syndrome. Um, they're both just like, they're lonely people who don't get enough attention and they, they care for each other. So they are each other's best friend and fake uh, boyfriend, girlfriend. And it's it's really cute. But uh, now Ian has a secret from his fake girlfriend. He's fucking her brother. <laughs> Oops. Uh, all been there. Maybe we haven't all been there. I've yeah, been there. Been, but you know. We've been there. You've all been there. Not relatable situation. <laughs> Wait, can you give me background of how that started? How how did they? I'm like the probably the worst. So yes, I'm we, just going to be like, how wait, did, how did this happen? How did Ian and Mandy so, start, or how did Ian and Mickey start? How did Ian and Mickey? Uh, start? Okay, like, so Mickey is the Mickey is Mandy's brother, and like when Mandy made a move on Ian a few episodes ago, um, and he rejected her, she got mad about it and told her brothers that Ian had assaulted her. So her brother started coming after Ian, and that's how we got introduced to Mickey. And then she let them know, never mind, I lied. He didn't assault me. We're friends now. And then Mickey started to just steal from the store that Ian works at and, like, antagonizing Ian's boss. And one day Mickey broke in and stole the gun uh, from behind the counter at the store where Ian works. And Ian is uh, fucking his 30-year-old pedophile boss at this job. Um, (laughs) And so, oh. Fuck cash. Fuck cash. Fuck cash. But so Mickey steals the gun from the cash and grab. So one day Ian goes to Mickey's house and says, Mickey, give me the gun back. And they start fighting. And then there's a heated moment and they look at each other and then they fuck. And that's how it started. I mean, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. It's my brief synopsis of the beginnings of the most beautiful love story ever shown on television. Anyway. Um, Ian okay. <laughs> Hot takes from Amanda. <laughs> Ian's smitten and we love this for him uh, and we go back to Kevin V's house where they're preparing the house for the foster kid that they're gonna get V is hiding the silver and Kev is excited to teach the kid football he's like even if it's not a boy this child is gonna learn how to throw a football I'm like I love Kevin so much <laughs> which is a great moment about gender norms Kev's like I don't oh my god literally fuck. Kevin is like the most progressive like cis white male on this show it's my favorite thing in the entire world Kev's an ally and it stands up it stands up through all 10 seasons and we love that for him so Kev's excited to teach kid football DCFS shows up at the back door and gives them Ethel a teenager who was brought up in a cult 
And to give you a visual on Ethel for people who haven't seen it, if you've seen like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, like what they're wearing when they come out of the bunker, that's that's the vibe Ethel's. Getting. She looks straight up Amish. That's yes. what I'ma say. <laughs> yeah. But she was brought up in a cult, um, and now she is in the foster system, and Kevin V are going to be her foster parents. And we love Ethel. We I love Ethel so much. Ethel's great. Protect Ethel at all costs. <laughs> Uh, so we cut from the introduction of Ethel back to the hospital where Frank is getting that ankle monitor put on him. And then he leaves the hospital and goes straight to the alibi to tell everyone in the bar that he's a sober man now. And not a single person gives a fuck or believes him. I love him. how he goes to the bar to get yeah. some reassurement from every other drunk in their town. Like, like he thinks they're going to be like, yes, Frank, good job. They're like, fuck you. No, in fact, Barfly Tommy correctly suggests that someone is paying him to stay sober. He's like, how much are they paying you? Tommy is wise. Tommy is a wise man. Uh, so we've now seen Tommy and Kermit separately, and we haven't seen them in a scene together, and they are best bar buddies. We love Tommy and Kermit. I love Tommy and Kermit. Uh, Even though they're both super problematic, I love them both. Yes. Uh, so Frank tries to get everyone at the alibi to also not drink with him, and they literally laugh him out of the room. And on his way out the door, he says, I hope you all get AIDS. So, class. <laughs> you do sort of wonder, like, because I think we're, like, just the way the TV is being made and what stories we're telling, et cetera, are changing. Like, there's still definitely many shows that have the clearly, like, fucked up, white man character who says things that like it's understood even within like the world of the show that he's a terrible person but you do sort of wonder like some of the season one things that come out of frank's mouth you're like would that be written into a 2020 script i am unsure and how did frank not catch hands like with some literally correct <laughs> how did he survive but we go from that moment with frank over to the temp agency where fiona's going to pick up a check from yet another gig that she did um, but they apparently put the work order in late, so she's not going to get paid until next week. And she's, like, visibly deflated about it. She's got Liam on her on her uh, chest. And the woman that is, like, giving out the checks says that she has a PowerPoint class that she teaches at the Learning Annex, and that Fiona is welcome to come. And if Fiona learns this stuff, she can get an office job, pays, like, 12 bucks an hour. So Fiona, like, gets that nugget planted in her head. But she also, like, needs money now. So the woman's like, oh, this shitty Hooters knockoff sports bra, sports bar that makes you wear cheerleader lingerie while you're working is hiring. And Fiona, you Fiona's immediately like, that place is sleazy. But, like, she doesn't say no. Yeah, because, like, she gets what she gets. Like, at this point, like, that temp place is, like, not helping her. So, like, she got to take what she can. Yeah. Uh, so we jump right from Fiona figuring out her finances over to Lip. Lip showing up at Sheila's house, and Sheila, how you doing, baby? How you doing, Love me Sheila? Some Sheila. It's been 12 minutes without Sheila. We missed her. Sheila is really worried about Frank. Frank hasn't been home in two days. Sheila's losing her fucking mind. And Lip assures her, he's like, Frank's probably fine. He's probably passed out somewhere. He'll be home soon. Like, Frank is a cockroach. Please tell me that Jen Cusack is in the show way more. Yeah, she's in it for three seasons? Yeah, like three or four seasons. Yeah. She's in it for a while. You know how you stopped watching it when, um, what was it, like, Ian and Mickey were not together, or whatever when, your reason when was? When the producers yeah. did Mickey dirty when and Mickey they left decided the first not to pay time. him. They decided <laughs> well, not I guess, to pay I guess if I've worth. only seen the first three or four seasons, like like you claim, I guess I stopped watching when they got rid of Frank Cusack. 
So I guess I won't watch anything after that because that's my standing ground. Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> that's you know what I I. It's pretty that. valid. That's fair. Uh, she does have a very satisfying conclusion. Like I'm I'm going to be excited when we get to that point. But no right, spoilers, even though I think I've already seen it like six years ago. Yeah, you definitely I don't remember. have. Uh, Sheila's really worried about Frank. Frank's like he's a cockroach. It's fine. Uh, so Lip invites Karen, who is Sheila's daughter, and the woman that Lip has been fucking, just for everybody to get caught up. So Lip invites Karen to come to some, see some college with him, so we can meet up with the guy who tricked him, who caught him taking the SATs, uh, cause the guy offered him, like, a tour or whatever. Lip's like, come on, let's go steal shit from the bookstore and just, like, have a day. Cause Lip, <laughs> Lip really cares for Karen, and this is how he knows how to show it. On his side of the relationship, I feel like so much of so much of this show is like watching. Um, I mean, it's watching them all grow up, but like Lip is just so deeply. I feel like emotionally not stunted, but like doesn't know how to express all of the things that he feels, and I feel like it's like watching him like grow up as like this sort of young teenage boy, and you're like, oh my god, I see you trying so hard. It's, like, not working, but you're trying, you know? Like in yeah, every that relationship, continues throughout the whole series. Every relationship he has, he is really earnest in them. Like, he fucks up, but, like, his side of this relationship is very sweet, and, like, it's Yeah, very, and you're always rooting for him. Yeah. It's very doe-eyed, and he's really in it. And, um, and Karen, like, has her issues, too, so, like, I'm not gonna, like, shame Karen, but, like, so Lip invites her to come to a college with him. Shameless. <laughs> Good one. Uh, so we go back to Kevin V's. Kev, Kev's trying to bond with Ethel. Kev's like, we got board games, or may- maybe we could go to the park. And Ethel's like, I haven't done my chores. Can I, can I have some chores? She's used to chores and structure and cult life. So she's like, can you just give me chores to do? And Kev is like, let's get a burger. He wants to like be the fun guy. But Ethel, like, needs this structure. So Kev's like, oh, you know what? Fine. Let's go find some chores for you to do. And, like, <laughs> I thought that was a really evolved thing for Kev to do, too. Like, he's not, like, pushing, like, let's have the fun. He's like, all right, this is what she needs. So let's let's find a way to give that to her. Like, I, I love, love that, Danny. Kev. And then, ugh, we go to the cash and grab. Gross! And this is where, but this is my favorite part now, because the tone has shifted. Because now, Ian is fucking Mickey, someone... He's, like, two years older than him, but Ian is fucking someone his own age, and the the leery, pedophile gross vibe that we've been seeing from Cash starts to become present, because they're at the cash and grab, and they're restocking the freezer, and Cash is like, man, I'm super sorry we can't hook up right now because Linda found out, and she's trying to make me get her pregnant. Uh, yeah, it must be super hard to abstain from fucking a teenager, um, but, like, the look on Ian's face, he could give a shit. He wants to do <laughs> like, cash anymore. He's like, I'm done with you. I'm bored. Like, he doesn't care about cash anymore. He is over it. And it's it's visibly uncomfortable now, which is like, oh, thank God we're getting to the tail end of this relationship, um, also known as a pedophile. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's really, I think it's interesting the way that, like, in different shows deal with, like, that kind of pedophilia or, like, just deal, I mean, that kind of pedophilia, like, pedophilia in general or, like, instances where, they they like mask it as a relationship but like the fact that it is rape is like not actually dealt like so obviously tangent but like the first season of the pilot of Riverdale which I am deeply obsessed with and like that's really embarrassing but we're just gonna keep moving um Riverdale Archie had like the pilot Archie has sex with his teacher 
And yeah. Archie is like deeply a what sophomore in high school. And like yeah. KJ Appa is a snack and a half and is like in his twenties and that's fine. But the character is a sophomore in high school and he just like has sex with his music teacher and then falls in love with her. And like, that's a plot point. She like gets murdered at some point and that's fine. But like, it's never like dealt with. And you're yeah. like, what? Pretty little and it's liars like, It's too. not like anyone doesn't know too. Like, it's like a lot of people end up finding right. out. People and, like, know. and like the, the most like commentary you get on it is Veronica being like, that's kind of weird, Archie. And you're like, that's kind of rape. How about Yeah, that's kind of statutory rape when a grown woman fucks a fucking like 16 year old boy. in high school. Right? Pretty little liars too. There was that whole storyline where, like, that one girl in Pretty Little Lives was fucking her English teacher for, like, the whole yeah. like, three seasons. And then they, like, right. moved Just in casual. together or something. Remember? <laughs> I, I gave up on that show real fast. Um, Remember but, when, like, the mom was, like, like talked to the fucking teacher and was, like, cool with it at some point, too? Uh, but goodbye, anyway, Asher, in case, in case you're un- unclear. So Ian Cash got caught fucking by Cash's wife. And Cash's wife says, you can't fuck that kid again. Until you get me pregnant. Which, Linda, can you take a until, harder stance? Yeah, yeah, until. Linda, can yeah. you take a harder stance on this, please? I don't have ill will towards uh, Linda except for that. I have so many questions, that. but I, yeah, wow, okay. We've covered mm-hmm. this before. Linda right. is a good woman, but she, like, needed to draw is a harder she? line. She is, she is. Is she? she because is. she just she condoned is. statutory rape by her husband. She she's a good woman. That doesn't sound like a good woman to she's, me. She's a that doesn't sound like a good human to me. <laughs> that is bystanding. And shameless, you if you can't have a favorite character, if we're gonna use that kind of scenario with everyone, because the amount of shit that everyone does that's so negative, like it's so bad. I think that's probably like one of Linda's worst qualities is that she allowed that, but we love a queen. But like she also does she doesn't know fire how old she also Ian doesn't is? fire oh, Ian. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because she runs she runs the store. She also does not yeah. fire Ian when she finds out because she knows that this is his family's primary source of income. And she tells him that she thinks Ian could do better. So like <laughs> she's not perfect, but we still love her. Ian could give a shit about Cash. Cash is creepy. And uh then Cash gets a text from Linda that she's ovulating, so Cash has to go. And Ian looks relieved because this is a predator in his space. Fuck you, Cash. And then we go over to Sheila's house. She's literally looking up information on missing persons because she's so worried about Frank. She's, like, out of her mind. And then he comes stumbling home, and she's so relieved to see him. And he's immediately, like, he's sober, so he's a dick immediately. And she said she's proud of him for staying sober and like, oh my God, that's so good for you. And she tells, he's like, well, you you need to keep me entertained for the next two weeks so that I don't drink. So she just starts tap dancing. Okay. I haven't obviously seen many of these episodes and um, I'm assuming at some point every single character is a piece of shit, but I'd like to say that I think Sheila is probably the best character like in terms of she may actually be a good person credit again don't remember all the seasons that i watched which seems like a thousand years ago but she seems like the only very genuine character and i want to even put the word normal out there to an extent you know that she has her own human issues obviously but she seems like the only person who somewhat has her shit in some sort of uh line <laughs> the pinnacle of good people on the on this show are sheila and liam that's it they're the they're the top tier 
I feel like a lot of the reasons for Sheila's character, though, like in the whole concept of like she seems normal is because that bitch does not leave her house. So she doesn't deal with everyone's crazy shit at the alibi or really knows what the Gallagher is going on or like who's fucking who and stuff like that. She just gets what information that Karen and Frank give her. She's just an she's just here from birth and then never changed. She's an literally who's even her like exit is so pure. She's an earnest woman who's Boy, afraid of the outside world, and she really loves uh, butt sex. She likes to peg. We like that woman. Yes. <laughs> So she's even. And that's the thing. It's not just like she likes butt sex. Like, I mean, look, maybe she also likes receiving. Who knows? Whatever. And like, sex positivity, power to the people. But there's something sort of just beautiful about like she likes pegging. That is my favorite character trait of this woman. Like, can't leave the house, is scared to do everything. However, must peg. (laughs) Okay, I did not know this information about her, but my stance on her is now even more smooth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was a top. She was a top. She's a feminist icon. (laughs) Literally a top, but also, like, top quality. We love her. And, like, she almost got played by Alice and Janney, which, like, would have been cool, but we love Joan Cusack. We We love a top. And she... So she... Frank tells her that he needs to be entertained so that he won't drink for two weeks. So she starts dancing and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep that up for two weeks. <laughs> and like, I feel like they, I feel like that was just like improv right there. Like, I feel like they were like, all right, Joan, in this moment, you got to do something. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to fucking tap dance. That's it. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. do it. And maybe it'll work. And it did. It's scenes like that where you remember that it's Bill Macy and Joan Cusack. Like, oh, right, they're both amazing. And so we go from tap dancing Sheila to the Gallagher house. Fiona is digging in drawers and pockets and bags and nickel and diming trying to put together money for the groceries since she gave Carl the money to go to that party so she doesn't have money for the groceries anymore and she didn't get paid today. Um, so she's she's literally nickel and diming going through the... And who amongst us hasn't done this? Looked through pants and couch cushions and the washer and other people's bags just like trying to get shit together. And then we Are go... Are you over- kidding? Anytime I used to find a quarter in the drying like machine i i would pretty much do sheila's dance so that's where i'm at (laughs) yes uh so like this is highlighting like how little money this family has and then we go over to the college where lip is having a meeting with the sat officer guy it's like lip the guy his assistant and karen and like lip and the guy are walking ahead of the assistant and karen and the assistant uh tells karen that lip is a genius She's like, the professor thinks Lip is a, is a certifiable genius. And she's like, yeah, I do too. And the woman's like, haha, that's cute to Karen. Like, shut up. Karen's trying to be supportive. Fuck off. And the guy says that Lip should test out, just test out of high school and come to college next year. Just get loans and grants and just test out of high school and come to college next year. And Lip is like, what world do you live in, sir? Just put yourself in lots and lots of debt, he said. Yes. And Lip's like, yeah, okay. He just like, that's a great idea, my guy. The guy starts like pretty much guilt tripping Lip. He's like, Lip, if you don't come to college, here's what's going to happen. You're going to knock that woman up and work a shitty minimum wage job for the rest of your life. And like, fuck you. Fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck you. And Lip tells him that exact thing. He says, fuck off. The guy's barely phased by it. And he invites Lip to come look at the robotics lab. And then he tells him to wear a condom. <laughs> here's the thing. This man needs to realize the place of privilege he is speaking from. However, 
I do love someone turning to Lip and being like, do you realize that you're kind of amazing and that you could do amazing things? Like, Lip's never gotten right. that. Right, which is, which is the positive reinforcement that they do not ever get. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even from... Amanda. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So, this professor that's, like, dealing with Lip, is this the same professor we deal with when Lip goes to college, or is this a different professor? Because... I never could tell if they just switched up the actor or if it's just a whole new character that we need. Here's the thing. Um, I know that in like in newer seasons, I only know Lip names as baby after a college professor that inspires yeah, him. Yeah, Freddie. Uh, but I did not watch seasons five to nine. So I can't answer that for you. Got oh. you. Yeah, I just re- recently rewatched the whole series because, yeah, he the I'm not going to continue spoiling or anything. But yeah, so there's another professor that like he becomes really, really close with. And I never could tell if it was the same professor that like he deals with with this shit because it's two different actors 100 percent. but i didn't know if they tried to do the whole switcheroo that it's just an old white man that could pass <laughs> uh well like you know what i could do is i can look up the actor's name because what is uh lip's son's name in the new seasons uh freddie freddie all right so yeah. what's this guy's fucking character's name professor hurst well that doesn't help me i don't know <laughs> <laughs> not entirely sure a hit and a miss. Well, fine. But I'll yeah. figure it out later. But Lip is finally getting like we've seen in previous episodes. Even the principal at their high school like wants nothing to do with them and could give a shit if they're even smart. This is probably the first person in Lip's life to tell him, you know, you're incredibly smart and you could do incredible things with your life. And like, th- yeah, the guy's like suggesting that Lip put himself hundreds of thousand dollars into debt and is speaking from a, pl- a place of privilege that he is like up on his high horse. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong about Lip. And then we go back to Sheila's house. Frank and Sheila are chewing gum and playing cards. And Frank, Frank's like, oh, it's only been like 13 minutes. And Sheila's like, well, why don't we have sex? And Frank immediately is like, no, no, no. I am sober. Nothing's going up my ass right now. I can't <laughs> deal with that. And Sheila's like, no, no, no. It's fine. We can do whatever you want to do. Look, like you said, Simone, she's she's a wonderful woman. And look, she's even sacrificing the things she likes to do in bed to make Frank comfortable and to help Frank. How sweet. So Frank Frank's like, no on the butt sex. But like, she's like, no, no, we don't have to do that. We can do whatever you want. But speaking of butt sex, um, this is a happy cut. We're at the cash and grab. And we love this because Ian is alone in the store with like one customer checking out. Mickey comes in and asks if they have any Slim Jims in this shithole. Ian locks the door behind the last customer and says, yep, in the back with a little flirty smirk. And then they both walk in the uh, back. There's a I hate, I box. hate uh, the Slim Jims in the shithole. Shut the fuck up, we I know, love it. We get it, you're a bottom, but disgusting. Shut the fuck up, I love that line. I love that line. And there's like a great shot of like those mirror security things that mini marts have. Like the shot is of the two of them walking into the back room. And yes, I did pause right before the scene happened, write out entirely what happens in the scene line for line, and then go back and watch it, because that's how much I've seen this scene. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so they go, they're going in the back to fuck, but once again, because Cameron Monaghan is 15, we do not get a sex scene. Which is good. Yes, which the is The only thing Shameless did right. Yes. Because the law told them to. And we go from that, and they're like, they've got a great, like, like, uh, not a theme song, but a great little bit of music in that scene. Oh, I love it. And we go over to Kevin V's house. Ethel is vacuuming, and Kev feels super guilty about it, but V's got zero issue with this woman cleaning her house, with this 12-year-old girl cleaning her house. And then Ethel 
asked V, she's like, oh, can I help you with your chores? Because all the wives where I am from, we share chores. And like, all the wives. And then we hard all cut. All the wives. Not even all of the children. All the wives. All the wives. And we hard cut to V and Kev sitting down and Ethel explaining to them that she is one of five wives from a cult she was rescued from. She is 13 and her husband is 65 years old. Which is yeah. crazy because when they first bring her into, like, you know, the the person from the fostering or whatever says, you know, she was one of however many children that were, you know, saved from this. I don't remember exactly what she said, but then I think Kev said so like a cult or whatever. But I guess they didn't really get all the info that, yes, you did save the children, but you saved the children lives. Yeah. You left that part. Out. So Ethel's got some dark shit going on with her, but she's still like a bubbly, lovely person, and we love Ethel. So we caught from she's that. So, so brainwash. Yeah, we caught from that bombshell to Fiona at the grocery store with Liam. She's counting out all of her change on the counter, and then she has to cut down on what she's buying just to like get them through and get the basic needs. And Fiona, like the price goes up from like seven to eighteen dollars with one swipe of the diapers. So Fiona's like. Okay, what about without the diapers? Because she hears a mom ask where the bathroom is and, like, have a little baby with her. So Fiona drops the diapers, and we cut to Fiona in a bathroom with Liam on the changing table, loudly going, Oh, no, Liam, did I forget your diapers? And the woman <laughs> comes out, and she's like, Oh, I've done that all the time. And she gives Fiona a few diapers, which, like, it's not a scam, but, girl, we this she scams a mom out of some diapers. We love that. She is resourceful. She is fucking resourceful. And, like, she has just, I feel like she's just learned that she has to be. So she has become that way. She's like, this will get me through the day. And that's all I need. I thought she was going to stay in there longer. And, like, like when I first started, saw her go in and she got it from the first woman, I, I honestly thought she was going to be like, oh, shit. Like, there's definitely going to be other moms that come in here, too. I could just do this over and over again. So she gets, like, a full pack for free, basically. <laughs> but I mean, I'm assuming she didn't because she was like, oh, we got one, you know, or whatever it was. Fiona's a day wow, Asher, Asher really has, like... Asher, have you done that before? <laughs> you, I'm not like here. Very, uh, please, please don't out my own um, experience <laughs> on <laughs> to the world. I'm so sorry. But Fiona's a day-to-day -day woman. She solves the right-now problem. And she did it. She solved the right-now problem with the diapers. And then she got the, the basic groceries that they could have. Um, and we cut from that back to the cash and grab. Ian and Mickey are walking out. And Ian leans against the door. And he's all blushy. And he's like, guess this was a booty call. And Mickey's throwing his scarf over his shoulder going, whatever, see ya. And he leaves. And we just close in on Ian. He's a little, he's a smitten kitten. He's, he's like so blushy and like his hair's all like disheveled. Like, I love him. He's got, smitten kitten. he's got such a crush. It's adorable. It's a cute little crush. On yeah, it felt like a moment where if I could have determined the soundtrack, I would have played Crush by David Archuleta. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow. What a deep This might be the moment that my friendship with Asher ends. <laughs> that line may have done it. Uh, so yep, we cut that, from that. that very sweet little moment over to Frank and Sheila. Sheila is, they're laying in bed and Sheila's trying to jerk Frank off and it's not working. So then she like tries to give him a blowjob and that's not working. So she just kind of starts flicking 
his dick trying to wake it up, which is hilarious to me. My favorite line is she says something like, he doesn't even know I'm here or something. And I was like, oh, damn. And then she calls it a gummy worm. It's like, it looks like a gummy worm. I was like, girl, if it wasn't going to work before, it's not going to work after you call it a gummy worm. My favorite thing is when she just like starts poking it and Frank's like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) So Frank gets up and leaves to go for a jog. And then we cut to him jogging. And I don't know what that movement is he's doing with his body, but like it is neither running nor walking. It's That is how you run. He's like jogging in place and not moving any faster than he would when he was walking. It's like they told Bill, you've got to be jogging, but you can only move three feet. I like that you're on like a, not just a first name basis, but a first nickname basis with William Macy. (laughs) Listen, it's just, the man's got too many names. It's just easier this way. True. (laughs) My good pal, Bill. My good pal, Bill is doing some sort of, like, he's got a minimal amount of space he can move in the camera to do a jog. And he's just, like, doing the Frank rant to himself. And then he Imagine is, that's just actually how he runs in real life. And they were like, no, you have to run. There. He's like, Bill he's is like, like, this is, he's no, like, this I is am me running. running. He's like, I am running. What are you talking about? And they're like, um, okay, you, you know, we're not, we're not going to argue with you anymore. Just, just, they're like, I you know guess, what? We're eight episodes in. We can't recast him. He's yeah, got to just like, settle for his weird run. <laughs> They're like, all right, making notes for next time hiring. Make sure to watch after run. Watch after run. So then Simone, he... watch out. Now in every casting thing, they're going to be like, can we just see you? Like, just run real quick. Like, just a couple feet. Just I have been asked to do weirder shit than that, so I'm fine with that. So while he's, while he's running, Debbie calls over to him because she is uh, outside playing in the snow at some janky park with no parental supervision. Uh, she's like, hi, daddy. And he's like, this is where you hang out after school. This is, he even looks like for a second, like, I feel like this isn't right. But anyway, she gives him her Hawaiian punch. And then Frank realizes what all addicts realize. Sugar is a good replacement for your addiction for a hot mm-hmm. minute. So they load up on candy and they go to the van. Candace. Yeah. <laughs> they go to the van in the backyard of the Gallagher house and they just start fucking gorging on sugar and candy. This kind of hurts. Because it's a random moment where Frank is sober and present and being like a fun dad with Debbie, which is like, you can see- Oh, these are the saddest moments of this show. Deeply, deeply, deeply. It's like all she wants. She's so excited to have her dad with her. Like, and it's, you know, it's going to end badly. It's it's just, it shatters you. Uh, But inside the Gallagher house, Karen and Lip are hooking up on the couch. Karen is topless and they stop hooking up so that she can have the what are we conversation. And then they agree that they are friends that fuck, but she seems like a little like, uh-huh. Like she seems like she wants more than that, but Lip's like, no, we're, we're friends and, and we fuck. And that, can we end this? Con- I want to keep fucking you. Well, I gotta say, like, listen, obviously, like I side with the, the woman on anything ever, but like, you gotta, you really asked at the wrong time, my dear. For for sure. And I think he even only answered that because he doesn't want to get hurt. So he's like, no, this is casual. Everything's fine. So then Fiona comes in with Liam. Oh, you mean he is a man? (laughs) Yup. So Fiona comes in with Liam uh, while they're still like mid hookup on the couch and tells Lip he has a bedroom. And he's like, oh yeah, I found your clothes on the stairs last night. You couldn't even make it upstairs. And she's like, yeah, I fucked on the stairs, but it was nighttime. So leave me alone. (laughs) And Fiona says Kevin V are coming over with their foster kid for dinner. 
Uh, and then Carl comes in. He's got a bandage uh, over his eye. And he's like, paintball rocks! And Liv's like, did you wear a face guard? And Carl's like, nope. No, I did not. And it was who, just... Who was in charge of this paintball Huh? Yeah, who just let kids go out and just get fucking blasted like that? Like, did they go to a place? Or were they just like, hey, we found these paintball guns. Meet me in the back alley. Like, it seems like he was like supposed to be like a party. It was the party. But I feel like it should be organized. It was a kid in his class's birthday party. And his, he only got hurt because he didn't wear a face mask. And he got shot in the face. What if they were at... Like, and I have to party? say... <laughs> Isn't that mandatory? If that is not... Well, let me, if you want to talk about mandatory face masks, if this is not an analogy for 2020, I do not know what is. And they were, they couldn't get toilet paper. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Maybe, guys, maybe there's a, maybe your next shameless essay that you're going to write, Amanda, is about how shameless actually predicted the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you that writer's room said that they're going to do a coronavirus-based season, and I was like, let's not. Um, I am so if they make a corona based fucking season, I will not watch it. I won't watch it. I thought like everybody who has ever written, directed, produced literally anything ever agreed together that coronavirus is like off the table in like for the remainder of history. An out of respect thing at this point. In the past two weeks, I've auditioned for three indies. The plot of like it, the setting of which was in the middle of a global pandemic, oh, and you're like, uh, guys, yeah. stop! Everyone well, was why? just like using this to their advantage. Like, if Shameless can't give me a Parks and Rec style reunion moment, then I don't, I don't want anything. Like, give me that or give me nothing. Okay? Parks and Rec already or did. Nobody else yeah. has to do yeah. it. Um. So Carl's got an eye patch. He had a great time at paintball. It was twenty seven dollars well spent. Debbie and Carl just get, they just get to be kids in this episode. They never just get to be kids, and they just get to have fun and be kids in this episode. And then Kevin V come in with Ethel, and while Lip and Karen are, like, still pulling their clothes on, and Karen introduces herself to Ethel, like, to and puts her hand out to shake it, and Ethel curtsies, and Karen has one funny line. She's like, oh, right, because it's 18th century England. Like, it's just, it was a good delivery. <laughs> it was a good Honestly, moment. Honestly, you know. Back to Corona, now that we can't shake hands anymore, I feel like the curtsy is going to come back. So Damn. everybody practice your curtsy lunges and uh, here we go. I never stopped practicing my curtsy lunges, so I'm going to be on the top of my game. But then we can't even rest on the ethyl of it all for a single second because Frank comes busting in high on sugar. Debbie starts jumping up and down on the couch and Fiona tells Debbie and Lip that Frank is sober and Lip gets a concerned look on his face. Fiona's, like, barely phased by it, but Lip's like, oh, fuck, he's sober? And it's like, it's a shit Frank's done this once before moment. And Frank stops all the chaos in the living room to give a bullshit speech about how he needs their help to stay sober, but he stops the speech when he catches sight of Ethel and goes, what the hell is that? (laughs) Fuck off, Frank. Leave Ethel alone! And then we Not even who. What is that? And then we flash forward to the entire family running around the house, playing games, trying to keep Frank busy, having a great time. 
They use Ethel as a turnstile, and they're, they're like... They did, like, a relay race. It's actually, like, so fucking cute, and, like, everyone's playing. Like, everyone. And they use... I couldn't tell if she just, like, didn't know what was going on and was trying to stabilize herself. Like, you know how, like, when there's, like, an earthquake and you just stand in the doorway because you don't know what the fuck else to do? I couldn't tell it was that because her face was like, I'm terrified. There's people <laughs> touching me. I don't know what's going on. You can hear I think Kev it was say, a little bit of both. You can hear Kev say once around the Ethel. So, like, she was an obstacle set up for that game and like they use like once around, around the ethel and they use like the up and down of like the way the That's staircase is it's really good frank stops the game and uh, when he sees the piano and he starts playing because bill macy can play the piano and they all start to have a sing-along they start singing i will survive and it's like super fun in games and everybody's into it and then lip lip is not he gets up and leaves he's like i cannot fucking believe you guys are condoning this and he gets up and leaves Again, Fiona doesn't see the big deal. She's like, Frank will be back to drinking tomorrow. And Lip's like, not when money is involved. Lip knows what Frank is about. And he grabs mm -hmm. Karen and he leaves. And I need a moment to recognize the lack of Ian in this scene. How long was your shift, sir? How long was your shift that you're not in any of the family scenes in this episode except for the shower one in the beginning? I don't understand. Why can't we get Ian in family scenes? I mean, truly, though, like, this may be a situation of, like said actor had to go do something like it's so interesting to see the way that like the availability of the actors affects the plot of the show no it's just i think in this in this episode in particular ian's storyline is over here on the left and the rest of the family is over here on the right like ian's storyline seems completely separated from everybody else's and it's really weird yeah it does. yeah because like no one else within the family or like the show is involved in his scenes besides like him mickey mandy cash and linda realistically and we wonder okay so ignore the fact that i watched this you know three seasons or whatever like again years and years and years ago and don't remember anything just watching it this time, I would, and if I were to just watch this episode, never have seen anything else, I would not think that this tiny ginger boy is a part of that family at all. Well, he's, because yeah. one, he's not in any of the scenes. They don't really talk about it that much or like enough that it stands out that you're like, oh yeah, he's like a kid there. You it, either you think that he's just another random like character that maybe the family interacts with at some point. Or it's just a complete side plot. Like, there's no, like, there's no instance, at least in this episode, that that I can remember that truly solidifies that, like, oh, yeah, this kid's a part of this family. He's in the you bathroom know? scene in the beginning. Like He's in the bathroom scene in the beginning. He's in the shower while they're all figuring out their day. And But that's it. That's, oh, right. That's the only interaction he has with the family in this episode. But that's, like, also, like... Uh, how many seconds long, yeah. you know, where we see him. And also, like, he could just, that doesn't even, I mean, granted, you never know, but he could just be a friend that's like, yeah, I'm borrowing the shower because I live in the grocery store yeah, or right. whatever it is. It's shameless. That honestly could have happened, so you're not wrong. <laughs> but anyway, we go from that scene. Fiona goes, Fiona's phone goes off and at the end of the play around scene, and Debbie overhears, well, there's, like, a good shot of Debbie observing Fiona and B's conversation, uh, Fiona's talking about Steve. He's Steve's acting weird, and she's worried about it. And Deb, we see Debbie clock that and put that away for later. Frank asks for requests, and Ethel asks for like some religious weird song, and that stops the scene cold. That just ends. That ends that scene, and we cut to later in the night where Fiona and V are doing dishes, and Fiona's like, 
thanks for bringing the meat sauce because literally all I could afford was the pasta at the grocery store. And she's like, I'm hanging on by a thread. She's worried about her finances and she considers taking this PowerPoint class. And then they start talking about Steve acting cagey and Kev comes in and tells them that Steve doesn't, he doesn't have enough game to be cheating on Fiona. And he says Fiona has two choices, believe him or don't. V counters with a story about Fiona's distrust in a boyfriend that like led to her calling the cops on him. It sounds like a wild story. Uh, and Kev is like, Fiona, you have a tendency to cut and run when things get weird. How about not? How about trying to figure this one out? But yeah, so the summary of that oh, is... No effort. The summary of that <laughs> run is away. Steve is acting weird and Fiona's considering taking a class at the Learning Annex. And then V assures Fiona she's a smart woman. She's like, I don't know what PowerPoint is, but you'll be great at it. Am I like, am I coming from a super privileged point of view? It's, was PowerPoint that bougie a thing in 2011? Yeah, it was definitely used in, it was definitely used in, in school. But like, did, I'm trying to think of like, do we ever see, do we see the, them ever, they have a computer, right? They have or a do they laptop. Have a computer? They have, yeah, yeah, they have laptop. a really shitty laptop. Okay. Well, maybe time, their shitty like, laptop would not have been able to I feel to like at a point, PowerPoint. wasn't PowerPoint, like, kind of, like, an expensive kind of thing, and it's not as cheap, and, like, there isn't, like, Google Drive and well, stuff you used like to that. Have, it then. didn't come on laptops. Like, you had to buy Microsoft Office, pack, either the package, or you had to buy individual ones at one point. Like, it wasn't, I mean, even though I think, like, Microsoft Office, honestly, I think it was around since um, the beginning of computers and stuff, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but it definitely wasn't free, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So at least that, and then if they only have that one laptop as well, and also, well, I guess if this is 2011, this takes place in 2011 and let's say she's like, you know, 21 years old or whatever, like when she was in as, I'm a, I don't know, as we all were, even when we were in elementary school, we didn't have computers. We had those where you put the little plastic piece over the uh, projection and you use the markers, the dry erase mm -hmm. markers and it's stuff. It's called an so Elmo. I'm what? It's called an Elmo. That's what that thing's called. Is no, it? he's talking about the projector one. No, it's called the an projector Elmo. projector screen. Is it really? Yes. No, I thought the Elmo was the one that, like, is the camera that records your thing. I think he's talking about the one that's, like, the see-through No, the Elmo, paper. Is the, the Elmo is the light with the, with the base, and then the yeah, paper yeah, put on it and write on it. That's the Elmo. Oh, okay. So there's also an Elmo with the camera thing, because I had those. This, in is, this is now a projector Elmo debate <laughs> show. Yeah, let's keep now moving. Let's keep uh, moving. Podcast. So we but, cut. Uh, so I think if she's, like, this age, she has only ever been in a school that because again i don't know if she left school earlier what it was yeah, but even in high it. school i mean they're clearly from a not wealthy neighborhood so it's not even likely that in her public schools they may have even had powerpoint or computers in the school so she very well could have gone her entire education life without using some type of computer laptop or like tech smart screen thing like that you know so it is very possible that she has absolutely no idea like what powerpoint is or like has heard of it but it's like oh yeah like i've heard of that but i i could never afford that or i you know didn't yeah. have that on my laptop or i didn't have a need for it at all because she also only does kind of like what i gather from this is like part-time jobs and things at restaurants and other places like that where like you wouldn't need that technology anyway yeah so anyway, you guys, I love this in-depth conversation about PowerPoint. This really has made me happy. 
So anyway, we cut from that to a taxi is pulling up in front of an enormous gated house and Steve is getting out and walking into said enormous house. He gets in the house and someone greets him like, hey, bro. So this is his family's home. That's his brother. They think he is at school in Detroit whenever he's not there. And a woman walks up and kisses him. And what, what the fuck, Steve? And yeah. then, side note, when he gets that phone call, doesn't he make a comment to it? He's like, oh, it's a work caller. I need to go into work yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So he straight up lied. To straight up lied. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, not only did he lie about that, his name is not Steve. Because they call fuck him you, Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> Do you know how Wait, many times? So they, say it, say it with me. Say it with me. Never trust white men. Never trust white men. Sorry, the white men we're on with, but yeah, no, you're correct. Um, And then the iconic nickname Jimmy Steve starts. My favorite nickname. Do you know how many times early in in this podcast I had to catch myself or edit out me calling him Jimmy Steve? It was a lot. Me too. It is, his name is Jimmy Steve now, and yay, we get to call him Jimmy Steve. Jimmy uh, Steve. So we cut from that was like a two minute, not, not even clip, and we cut away from it to whatever that is. Back to Frank. Frank. Oh, is- oh. Actually, I want to point something out. And like now that we like meet this new woman, we have to like infer like, oh, is he cheating on Fiona or is he cheating on this bitch? So who came first? Like who who's the chicken and who's the egg? <laughs> yeah, because the brother the brother implies that they that they are a couple that they that he gets to hit that every night. So like what? What is that deal about? Yeah, hello? Anyway, we cut from that to Frank making breakfast. He's still sober. And he's talking to the family about the first time he blacked out. And Fiona is, like, running around looking for a laptop. And she's like, hey, where did you get all of this food? And Frank's like, oh, I traded. A friend of mine works at Denny's. I gave him some old hustlers. And he gave me some pancakes and and, uh, orange juice and stuff. So, like, they make a deal about the fact that, like, they did not have food. And now there is a whole bunch of food that Frank is serving these people. And in the midst of all of it, Frank's lips like, Frank, you're still an asshole. And Fiona grabs the laptop to go to the job center. And Lip says he's going to take the kids bowling, including Ethel and Ethel. And then Frank invites himself. And then they throw away their food and leave. Like, they don't eat it. They just made a big deal about the fact that they don't have breakfast and that they don't normally have food in the house. And then he made an enormous breakfast. Nobody ate a single bite. And threw it away, and, and they moved on. Yeah, when like, I saw the what's the younger boy's name? Uh, Carl. Carl. When I saw like this giant pancake on his plate, and they're like, "Clean up the table, throw your shit out." I was like, "Are you kidding me? Put that shit right back in the refrigerator right literally. now!" Literally, put it in Tupperware. What are you doing? I this family. Like, if anything, if they even left it out, you know their asses will like, eat that later too. Exactly. That grinds my gears. I hate when TV shows do that, especially when they make a point about the fact that they don't have a lot of food and then they make a whole spread and they don't eat it. I hate it. Whatever. Uh, and then we go to Kevin V's house. Uh, Ke- like I, like I said, Lip's going to take all the kids bowling because he's got he's to hook up at the bowling alley. They can get in for free. So we're over at Kevin V's house. Kev's like, come on, Ethel, we're going to go bowling. Go get changed. And go in the other room get changed. We're going to go bowling. And uh, someone knocks on the door. And he gives her a minute, and then he goes to check on her, and she is laying in his bed in nothing but her, like, slip dress with her legs open. Because she assumes, when he told her to go in in the room and change, that he wanted to have sex with her. Mm, Ethel. Yeah, because that's what her 65-year-old husband would do 
And uh, ding, 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 another time the show's like, you know what's funny? Rape and pedophilia. <laughs> Especially because she kind of, like, makes a comment about it. She's like, oh, like, this guy would have me on Thursday or whatever, but I guess I can make an exception for Saturday or whatever mm-hmm. the comment specifically was. These yeah. writers really thought, rape and pedophilia? Hilarious. Like, so often. So, yeah, so Kev is, like, closing her knees. He's like, I don't want absolutely anything at all to do with this. And Lip, like, walks in and sees it and kind of laughs because Lip knows Kev isn't that guy. But Lip's like, I don't, I'm going to walk away from whatever this is and go and wait for you guys outside. So this, I pointed out, it seems like Ian only exists in this episode in the land of Mickey and Mandy. And that's fine. Because uh, it's Saturday, Ian's at the Milkovich house. He's on the couch studying with Mandy. They're doing homework. It's real cute. Mickey comes in, burps. Uh, and in their general direction. And yeah, he, he like burps douches. and calls them like faggots and then goes into no, his room. he calls them douchebags. He burps, calls them douchebags and goes into the room. And Ian is obviously instantly ready to ready to fuck. Uh, so he tells Mandy he's, he's going to go to the bathroom, which, is, which in this season, the bathroom is in Mickey's bedroom. Why is the bathroom in Mickey's room? That's what I don't get. The, <laughs> interior, so the interior of the Milkovich house changes three or four times. It doesn't make yeah, any sense at all. Yeah, it changes too much. But Ian's like, oh, the bathroom's in Mickey's room. I'm going to tell Mandy. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And Mandy's like, you want a pizza bagel? And she gets super distracted. Mm. And he's like, yeah, sure. See, I did not know that the bathroom was in his room. And when he, like, they both get up at the same time, I was like, she definitely saw him go into that room. Like, I don't know where the bathroom is in this house, but his room is, like, right there. And, like, yeah. you can very well, even if she's facing the opposite direction, like, watching the TV, and then when she goes through the hallway or whatever, turns the opposite way, like, there is no way that she did not see him go into that room. So I was like, okay, what? Like, was this just a very poor planning? But I guess now that you say the bathroom's in his room, it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it still doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Like, in the episode or two prior, like the first time that Mickey and Ian hook up, there's a scene where, like, it's like right afterwards and they're like chilling in the beds with like the covers drawn up. And Mickey's dad walks through Mickey's room, goes into the bathroom and like starts pissing and then like walks through Mickey's room again and goes, you guys better put some shirts on. You look like a couple of bags and then just like walks out. And I'm like, realistically, why would they put Ian, like Mickey's fucking room in the bathroom? I feel like if anything, their dad should have that room. But I feel like their dad sleeps on the couch. He doesn't even have a room at this point. They put the bathroom in Mickey's room so that they could do those two scenes. And after that, they didn't give a fuck. And the, the Yeah, and then, and then the bathroom moved in down the hall between where Mickey and Mandy's room. And then also Mickey and Mandy's room switches too. <laughs> like every the whole layout doesn't make sense like in the next like couple seasons it's a whole thing but like ian gets up goes into the bath to, to the bedroom and like we get the implication ian and mickey are gonna fuck while mandy makes them some pizza bagels and isn't that an ideal situation and then how long we cut over to the Southside job center fiona's got the laptop she's in class and the woman from the temp agency is running the class and she asks if anybody knows what Word or Excel are. And you see on Fiona's face, she instantly feels in over her head. And she is she feels stupid. And she closes the laptop and she gets out of there. So we cut from that. Fiona's like feels embarrassed and she feels stupid. So she leaves the class without even trying. Uh, and then we cut to the bowling alley. Carl, Debbie, Ethel, Lip, Kev, and Frank are at the bowling alley. They're having a great time. Lip uh, and like... Frank's rolling strikes and like they're having and Kev's trying to teach Ethel what the fuck to do. 
But Lip pulls Carl and Debbie aside and tries to, like, manage their expectations of Frank. And he tries to make them understand that Lip is like their pet turtle that they loved a lot for two weeks. And then they abandoned him and the turtle died. And Carl doesn't get it. Carl's slow. He doesn't super get it. But Debbie, Carl, like, walks away and Debbie's like, I get it. Um, but he's nice right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna like this as long as it lasts, if that's cool with you. And, like, doesn't that break your little heart? Yeah, like, I get it, but, like, that, like, girl, that's gonna hurt you. It's gonna hurt. That breaks your little heart, Debbie's like, no, I know it's gonna hurt, but, like, for right How now, old is she, and Carl's supposed to be at this point? Nine, ten. Yeah, so it's Debbie older, right? De- yeah, Debbie's, like, ten. Yeah. And then Carl's like nine, eight or nine. They're all their ages really don't matter until like later seasons because they all stay like the same age for like the first three seasons. <laughs> and then once they actually get older and they start looking like they're older is when they start giving them like actual ages. Yeah. But um, like we don't even get us started on our whole Ian thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Carl, Carl doesn't get it. And he just goes to like have fun because Lip just gives up trying to explain it. But this is where we get the whole turtle analogy from. And Debbie's like, no, it's fine. But, like, I'm going to have fun while with him while he's here. And I'll deal with the pain later. I'm like, oh, God. Then we cut back to the Milkovich house. Mandy has moved on to playing video games. She's abandoned homework. And she is completely unaware that Ian and Mickey have been fucking for a while. Uh, so Ian comes in and sits on the couch. And his hoodie's all fucked up. And his hair is all, like, sex hair. And he's like, yeah, uh, sorry. It took, it took so long. Your dad was in there forever. Which, like... Was their dad home? Were Ian and Mickey fucking while their dad was home? And then Mickey comes into the living room. He's relaxed. He's all good. He sits on the couch with him and takes the controller and just starts... He takes the controller out of Ian's hand and starts playing video games. And Ian's just blushing and just, like, all snuggled between the two of them because he's like, I have a secret. And he... I love him. That scene is so cute because he's just surrounded by the Milkoviches. Yeah, where he... Oh, his home. I love it. Mandy's got no idea what's going on. She's she's over, she's out of it. But like Ian and Ian and Mickey are just like chilling, playing video games with each other, and it's very schoolyard and it's very cute. And then we cut to Fiona. She's obviously taken that temp gig at that terrible, worse Hooters bar. If only Femboy Hooters was real. She's she's all dressed up in like a cheerleader outfit, and she's got like the black stripes on her face. And she gets a blow-off text from Steve, like, sorry, I'll see you tomorrow, work got crazy. And she, like, swallows it down, puts her phone in her in her waist, and continues with work. And the guy tips her like she's a stripper, like, in her waistband. And somehow she refrains from stabbing him in the neck, which, like, she's got the strength of a thousand women. I don't know how she did that. But, like, you can see this. Well, that's like the, that's like the story of Fiona, right? Like, the number of times she should have, like, beaten someone up but didn't is astounding. Yeah, like, she just swallows it down and moves on. And, like, you see it building up in her. And then we cut to the cash and grab. Ian's getting a lot of screen time in this episode. We cut to the cash and grab. Ian's late to work. And Cash gives the good news that Linda's done with him for the month. And they can, like, maybe fuck right now. And Ian is completely uninterested. He he (laughs) hates it. You missed the worst part is that he said we can adjust the cameras for old time's sake. Meaning he is fully aware that this is wrong but still does it well asher in the last episode linda had cameras installed and they adjusted them so that they could fuck in a blind spot and then while they were fucking the camera moved and that's how linda found out that they were fucking 
when she was reviewing oh, it. See, even even without watching that, like when he made that comment, like I knew exactly what he meant though, which is like because you know, like I said, I listened to last week's or whatever, so I had a like sort of an idea of who these characters were and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But even without context, him saying that and the creepy manner in which he delivered it, I was like, Oh, I know exactly what you mean and why the fuck aren't you in jail he's finally looking as predatory as we've been saying he is and that's great because ian is completely uninterested ian just like starts working because this is his job and then we cut away from that to fiona is coming home with like a bag full of leftovers from the restaurant and frank is like in the kit in the living room reading the kids hunger games and fiona is at her breaking point she like walks past them and throws over her shoulder you planning to get a job now that you're sober or what? And Debbie shushes her. She's like, oh, we're getting to a good part. But like Fiona is about to snap. She goes into the kitchen and she puts the food down. And Emmy Russell has the best ugly cry. I love her ugly cry so much. And you see a little moment. Oh, she commits to her ugly cry. Mm -hmm. You see a little moment of it here. She starts to crack after she puts the the food down and she like she has that moment where like you know you're about to burst into tears but you're you're still trying to hold it back so you let a little out and then you pull it back in and that's what she does right there i love her ugly cry i can't wait till we get to see her properly ugly cry i think about this like shot a lot like it's flashes in my head a lot but like she gets interrupted lip comes in and just sort of looks at her and checks in on her and then he reminds her the last time frank got sober and tried acting like a dad and she's like, yeah, but you knew he was going to go back to how he was. And he's like, here's the thing I didn't. I didn't know that that wasn't going to be forever. So, like, he's voicing how much Frank has hurt him in the past, which we don't get to see a lot. Like, Lip's got some issues. Mm-hmm. And Lip's like, I need you to know that this is going to crush them when he goes back to being drunk. And then he leaves. So, like, that's another bit of guilt to just throw on Fiona's back. And then he walks out the door and he goes to throw rocks at Karen's bedroom window. And like, it's actually kind of really sweet. She, Karen teases Lip. She's like, oh yeah, the last guy I had here just left like an hour ago. And Lip looks a little jealous. And she's like, fuck off. He was just teaching me how to steal music. It's fine. And like, it's it's really, it's a little, it's a little high school sweethearts moment. I'm just thinking about the, like his interaction with Fiona. And like, I'm thinking about his interaction with Fiona. And I think that it's like this really interesting and like just devastating thing where like they all have to kind of support and protect each other from their wrath of Frank and they each like hit their breaking point with it at different times and like you know like Fiona in the beginning Lip is like oh my god he's doing this whole sober again bullshit like fuck this and Fiona's like we'll be fine and then Fiona hits her like oh fuck this moment with it and it's like it's just watching these like all of the kids have to be parents to each other because their father figure like just simply doesn't exist and i think the acting that like which especially lip and fiona around like their stress and sort of trauma about frank just like as an actor watching it you're like oh shit you are you're nailing it jeremy and emmy have some remarkable scenes together in season four there's this blow up between the two of them in the kitchen it is one of the finest pieces of shameless history that I've ever seen. Like Fiona gets this uh, a scene in season one in a few episodes, spoiler alert, when Monica comes back, Fiona gets a beautiful monologue 
Uh, but in later seasons, in season three, Fiona is on a downward spiral and Lip is the one trying to hold up the family. And they just kind of explode at each other in the kitchen. And Jeremy and Emmy just pull it off so beautifully. It's so nice to watch. I love them. Like, they're so incredibly talented. Oh, sorry. I was just saying that, like, seeing, like, them... Because, you you know, these people have been acting together for a fucking decade. And, like, seeing them grow together as performers is just, like, wild. It, it's incredible. But, so, yeah, there's that moment with Lip and Fiona, and then Lip is, like, being very sweet with Karen at her back window. And then we cut to Kevin V, and V, like, literally jumps on Kev in bed and, like, tries to get it on with Kev. And he is not in the mood. His, his heart hurts so much. He feels so much for Ethel. He's, and V is, V's like, we're only in this to get a paycheck. And Kev is like, yeah, but we could be a stable, loving home for this girl. And, like, why can't you just see that we, I want to do this for this person? And, like, they get in a little fight and Kev goes to sleep on the couch. But, like, Kev just wants to help. And it's so earnest. It's tender and beautiful. Yes. <laughs> just much like Kevin in general. And then we cut from that over to Sheila's house. Sheila is in bed crying about the fact that Frank is gone. And like, oh, Joan. Frank, she's so upset. And then Karen comes in and like climbs into bed with her and hugs her. And she's like, Mom, everything's going to be fine. Frank's going to come back. He's going to go back to normal. I promise you everything's going to be okay. And like, it's it's very sweet. I have very tender feelings for Karen in this, in this episode. It's also hilarious because she's like, don't worry, he'll start drinking again and be back to normal. It's like, oh, great. He's going back to being very toxic. Don't worry, mom. It's like the opposite of what everyone else wants in every other scenario in life. She's like, don't worry, he's, he's a drunk. It, everything's going to be fine. And then we go over to the Gallagher's. It's the next morning. Fiona is woken up by Frank swinging a sledgehammer at their living room wall. And that hole in the wall absolutely will be there for the next nine seasons. It does not get yep. fixed. Continuity of wall hole checks. It does not get fixed. But Frank has reached the I am sober part of his life where he's like, I'm going to do home projects. And like, that's not great. And Lip, Lip and Fiona share a look like, oh shit, this is the breaking point. And Lip's like, remember last time he was sober, he ripped up the floorboards. And Fiona's like, I had to date a flooring guy for a month to get him to fix that work. And <laughs> Debbie comes in. Debbie has grown up now. She's realized Frank's gone too far. He's become a liability and it's time to kill the turtle. It's time to it's time to kill the turtle. And Lip's like, you misunderstood my analogy. Like you a little You're the turtle. <laughs> you a little confused, but I got the you got the spirit, so it's fine. We go upstairs. Lip tases Frank to the ground. Fiona's like, thought, thought you said that taser didn't work. Lip's like <laughs> That's my favorite part. Lip's like, I just took the batteries out and gave it to Carl. Everything's fine. <laughs> so they tase him. They hold him down and they force vodka down Frank's throat. And so we see the little red light on his ankle monitor go off and we zoom over to the hospital where the doctors see the little light go off and give each other money because there was a bet between the two of them. Because <laughs> that's how that science works. Let's just move on from that. So they're like, fuck it. Frank's done being sober. We can't deal with it. And they start, he starts drinking again. And good for them. Everything's going to simmer down maybe. And then we go over to Kevin V's house. Ethel is cleaning the oven, and we get a nice moment with her and V. V comes up behind her and is like, put the fucking scrub brush down. I'm going to make us breakfast. Like, my mom would make me French toast. And, like, they have a little lovely bonding moment. And Kev comes in from, being, like, from the gym or playing basketball or something. And he's like, 
it's a very nice little tender. You can see V has come around and has a, and has agreed in without saying anything that they can that they can help this girl. And Ethel sees that she's going to be there for a while and asks, "Can my son come to visit?" Ba ba ba. She's got bombs. Hello. Right. And then you just like you just stop because at least this is what I do. I then my brain goes to the tragic place of thinking like what this poor girl's body had to go through to birth a child at the ripe old age of I don't know 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. And you're just like, "Wait. No. Yeah. How do you say no?" <laughs> uh, like it's it is unimaginably horrible. And but like they just drop that bomb and they cut right away back to Frank at the Gallagher house. He's just sitting on a chair, drinking, and Carl is has a saw at the ankle monitor on Frank's leg, trying to saw it off. And Fiona's there watching, but the, the doorbell rings. So Fiona tells Carl, hey, just bracelet, no bone, and gets up to answer the door. <laughs> like, we love parenting. That's great. <laughs> just bracelet, no bone. Watch out with the saw. Fiona opens the door, and Steve comes in. So Steve had... The the he he rang the doorbell. He didn't just walk in. It's very strange. That's the first. <laughs> right? So Fiona opens the door, and even after all of the shit Fiona's been through in this episode, she just kisses him hello and she's like, I barely noticed you were gone. Everything's fine. So she's just compartmentalizing, pushing her feelings all the way down to be dealt with later. And they all just go and sit and watch TV in the living room. Lip comes in the room, hands Carl a little container of turtles. Because they've killed the metaphorical turtle, and now Carl gets real life turtles to take care of. <laughs> Very sweet. And like this whole time, they're all that sitting sounds on the like a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, it's not going to be great. The whole time they're sitting on the couch, and Debbie's like sitting on the stairs, just kind of behind them. Um, and we get a whole family moment once again. Sans Ian. Is Where is Ian? Where is he? Is he working? Is he still at the Milkovich house? Where the fuck is this boy? Where is he? total middle child shit I can't and then uh so yeah they're all sitting watching TV and we see Debbie get up from the stairs and sneak over to Jimmy's coat and pick out Jimmy Steve's phone and which conveniently had Candace's information just pulled up on it immediately and like clocks Candace's information puts the phone back in his pocket and goes and sits back on the stairs so like we we don't get any words from Debbie, but like she's plotting and planning. And then I know we're not supposed to like question anything that happens, but like, th- can I have some type of explanation of why she was like, "Hmm, I'm gonna go look at this person," and of course, all of her information is conveniently, yeah. like, not even just right there, but like he has all of her information. It's like if you're in a relationship with this person, why do you have her like address and all these things there? You know the address. Why do you have to put it in your in, like contact information? Well, like Debbie, I I liked the groundwork they were laying with this. It was just subtle little looks and little moments with Debbie. She like she notices something is amiss with Steve, and she's not about. She's a little bit of a protector, so she's not about to like let some shit go down. She's an investigator. So yeah, that's the end of the episode. We hit credits. And then the after credit scene is Frank stumbling home to Sheila and climbing into bed. And she's like, are you drunk? And he's like, yeah. And she's so happy. <laughs> and they cuddle together. Which, which, is also poten- which is also potentially the saddest part of the show. Yeah. Just, she, I don't know why that was like the top tier thing in the summary for this episode. Because it was such an underlying thing. 
like Sheila got maybe a few scenes of being worried. Like Ian's storyline was much more prominent than Sheila being worried, but yet his wasn't even in the synopsis. So like, yeah, I don't understand. Right. Maybe it wasn't even supposed to be in this episode. Maybe it was a different storyline from a different episode that they just jammed in. And that's why it felt so disconnected. True. Honestly, I feel like season one, they didn't really know what was going on. What were our impressions of this episode? Let's start with our guests. Let's start with Asher. What were your impressions of this episode? How do you feel? Oh God. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, and I've said a million times now, as I watched this very long ago, so I don't really remember anything that's going on. Um, so it's almost like I'm watching it just this episode for the first time. Um, I probably would maybe watch another episode or something. Like it's definitely, it does have like some captivating storylines. Um, and especially, I guess this one's kind of a good episode too, because it does bring in that whole thing with Candace, Candy, Candy, whatever. Um, and, <laughs> and the whole, uh, Jimmy Steve issue. Um, so granted again, don't really remember anything. Haven't seen any other episode recently. So I can't really compare to other episodes if they leave the audience with something to be interested in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What about you, Simone? I mean, I think that, like, I think that so much happens in this one. Like, you get, you get Frank is a terrible father. You get... Um, like Sheila's the greatest you get Fiona and Lip constantly struggling with their family that like Steve is now trying to be a part of but doesn't understand and also has a fake identity like just like so much happens that I think ultimately like um, it's definitely a meaty one um, but I think it's great because I think it like it shows a lot of like I think Shameless has some moments where it's like sad it, it makes you feel sad um, because it's showing you sad things, but this one's almost worse because it makes you sad because it's showing you happy things that are so out of character for these people. Um, so it's like a unique type of heartbreaking. Um, but I love it. I think it's a great episode. How about you, Evan? I really enjoy this episode because, like, as you said, like, even though it feels like there was like three different things going on that all didn't match each other, it like still kind of came together. And like, I loved how it made us see like a lot of the younger kids true colors about Frank and stuff like that. Like, cause they realistically knew like, like the older kids knew that he was going to go back to drinking no matter what. But it was like, nice to see that lip was like, listen guys, like, you know, like we can't just accept this again. Like you got to like put your foot down and make sure you're not like hurt by it. And I'm glad that like Debbie around, like came around and realized that like, got to kill the fucking turtle, even though she, they were referring to as, themselves as the turtle <laughs> but like i don't know i really like this episode it's so cute and also we love ian and mickey <laughs> yeah. i agree there was an incredible amount of story laid out in this episode and it, it might have been the most coherent of any of the episodes so far like there this i think this is where season one kind of hits its groove like maybe last episode and this episode or where it hit its groove because it had some weird episodes early on especially like the heist Debbie episode but this Mm -hmm. seemed like they were figuring out what they were doing and they were starting to stray from British uh, Shameless in like their own unique way and this is where they really started to find their own voice and and I really liked it and like I said like Joan 
and Emmy and Jeremy and Cam and Noel. Just like they, they blow me away every time. And let, and even though Joan only had like a few moments in this episode, it was just so beautiful. Like, like I, I agree with what Simone said. This episode breaks your heart by showing you happy things that you know are just a blip. Like, you know they're never coming back. And, like, it, it shatters. Right, you. like, it shows you the alternate world these kids could be living in if their father weren't a horrible alcoholic. Yeah. It's also really sad because you, I mean, I'm just, if I had to guess, I would say that this is, I mean, what, this was episode eight of season one, and there's, what, like, nine or ten seasons? And this is the point where this young girl, Debbie, already starts to grow up you know what i mean like this is really a point where she's like yeah i understand that my dad's a piece of shit and i just wanted to enjoy a couple moments but now i'm seeing i can't do that and she's what 10 like to make it to have a 10 year old understand something to that depth like obviously carl doesn't really see it as much um but like the fact that this character is so young and is having like a character arc this early in a season in a show at all, you know, overall it's, it's like very heartbreaking for the reason that it is. Um, and for well, and also I think it's interesting because they introduce Ethel as this girl who's like, quote unquote, so different from them. Like she's Amish and she's from this like whole other world where she's a child bride and that's terrible, but also and a mother. Like, the people, right. But also, like, the kids who are the quote-unquote normal ones in the show also, like, don't have it good. And, like, I think there's almost the question of, like, how different... Like, obviously, she's different. Like, she's she's got it worse. But, like, there is not one kid on the show who actually gets to be a kid. Yeah. Like, the closest we get is Carl. Carl just gets to go to paintball and, and bowling, and, like, he's got some turtles. Like, that's the most of a kid that he gets to be. And, like, but you also know that this is season one, and that there's no way that's gonna last. Yeah. And, like, for our for our listeners, uh, we're reserving... We're taking Debbie one season at a time. Uh, we are aware of Debbie's future crimes, but that's got nothing to do with 10-year-old Debbie. 10-year-old Debbie is just a sweet girl who wants her dad. And do you want to tell, tell Asher Debbie's future crime? Uh, spoiler alert for everybody listening. Oh, Debbie God. is a full rapist in the later oh, seasons. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 like, she rapes this Which guy. Which, I will say, is interesting because I feel like we don't often get explorations of female rapists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, and she, even in her scenario, it's not as, like, a graphic thing as, like, a lot of rape scenes and a lot of incidents are. It's, like... They almost try to make it like it's kind of like cutesy and like she's happy and stuff like that. And I'm like, interesting. What season did this happen? Nine, I think. Uh, Oh, wow. So long. No, no, no. That's not season nine. Whenever she has earlier than that. Oh, season. It might be season seven. It was before Franny. It was before Franny. So it might be season seven. Because she did it to the pizza boy. Yeah. And then she so is that's, that's like I guess she's what, like seventeen then or something? Yeah, she's yeah. in high she's school. Like a, yeah. And she like drugs him. His name and, was Matt. Yeah. In season four. Season four. Oh my god. And then she she's tries she tries to trap another guy with a baby, and then in the tenth season she sleeps with a fifteen year old girl, and now she's like being arrested for statutory rape. It's yeah, so thing. Debbie's a lesbian now, but we love that for her. So like, but season one Debbie is just a ten year old girl who wants her daddy, and it's it's hard to <laughs> Um, so we're taking Debbie one episode, one season at a time. Just uh, we we are aware, uh, but we're 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 rolling it back to, to earlier seasons for everybody. Uh, but yeah, so that's the episode. Yay! 
Yay! Um, thank you, Asher and Simone, for joining Woo! us. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you, do you, Asher or Simone, have social medias that you would like to plug for for yourselves? What if I was like, no, I don't use social media. I'm actually an Amish girl named Ethel, but I do have a son I can show you if you'd like. Um, no, I have no children and one Instagram. Um, that is S Policano, P-O-L-I-C-A-N-O. That's my name. Um, that is me. I need you to know I'm putting that on my dating profile. No children, <laughs> one Instagram. No children, one Instagram. <laughs> Wait, so like just like one quick thing that I've been doing during this quarantine to hashtag stay busy is, I mean, I'm incredibly busy, but just when I'm bored is I've been helping my friends with their like updating their like, you know, hinge profiles or whatever. And I was with my cousin this weekend and he was like, I want a witty line for like my bio. And I came up with what is the best Tinder line right now, which is looking for a girl with huge antibodies. Oh my god. I am dropping the mic. I am never saying anything ever again because it's the best thing I'll ever come you up with. You win. I love that. And also everybody yeah. follow Invisible Hands Deliver on Instagram. Uh check out the the nonprofit that Simone Co founded helping out people delivering groceries to them during this pandemic. She's that Amanda has been helping with so 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 so, so much. But yeah, Invisible Hands so that's Deliver. All the I have. Check that out on Instagram. Uh Asher, do you have social medias you would like to plug? No. No, Asher no, is a great one. <laughs> no? <laughs> I do, honestly, I don't. <laughs> no, no. Asher, can you call your OnlyFans? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. I think you're most active on Twitter more than anything else. I honestly don't. I, I don't really. I only kind of use social media to, I don't know, look at other stuff. I don't post that much, so it's not that entertaining. Um, I do have an Instagram. The lurker. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing a lot of um, lurking on uh, all the things that when I can finally leave my house again, I can go to, like, all the, you know, record stores and stuff and, and seeing what they've got in stock. Um, so I'm waiting for that. But my Instagram is A-K-S-N-K-Y, uh, which is not really my name um because that's shockingly not how you spell asher um but it's, but it's I, a creative i like your username it's a creative little username uh uh evan how about you you want to tag yes. your tiktok as long as it still exists <laughs> uh uh you can follow me on instagram um at i want to die 4000 i promise i'm okay because i get a message every single day <laughs> and then you can also use that username on tiktok too and you can find me there for as long as the U.S. government lets us have TikTok. Exactly. Um, you can, oh, TikTok. Uh, you can follow me. Yeah, what's going to happen when, like, every hot 15-year-old in the country is suddenly unemployed? <laughs> They're all moving to, like, Dub Smash right now, like, as a backup. Oh, yeah, Smash, Zoe was talking sucks. to me about Dub Smash. Uh, but what yeah, is Dub Smash? It's another app for the children. It's another, like, audio video app that's, like, kind of, like, the same premise of TikTok, but more low-key. It's, like, the same thing as TikTok, but it's more, it's not as popular or more low-key. Dub Smash used to be those things that people would always, like, use, like, a bunch of years ago that would, like, they would use the lines from TV shows and stuff like that. It was, like, a Vine before Vine. It was, like, Vine after Vine. Asher's got absolutely no idea what TikTok is or how it works. (laughs) I Oh my god, I have no idea. My friend sends me probably like three a day, and it takes me at least five minutes just to figure out how to open it. Um, It opens on like Safari, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. 
But you can follow my Instagram is abnormalamanda18. My Twitter is abnormalamanda. Uh, and our show, you can go on the luck we had on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us luckwehad at gmail.com. And Evan set up an amazing site, uh, luckwehadpod.carrd.com. Uh, dot co, yes. Dot co. So it's card with two R's dot co. Yeah. And you can find the link to that on our Instagram, Luck We Had Pod, and on our Twitter, Luck We Had Pod. And uh, that wraps it up. Thank you guys. I'm just trying to get you guys like going for your day because we we're recording during the day. It's very weird for us. Yeah, very weird for us. <laughs> I know. Very exciting. I'm like energized for my day ahead. I know. I'm about to have to leave for work in like five minutes. So like I'm ready for my <laughs> Thank day. You. Thank you guys for spending these two hours with us uh, talking about yes. some light, some light, fluffy shit to take our minds off of the burning world around us. And uh, we appreciate you. and We love you. We love you so much. Thank you guys for having, like, joining us. This was so fun. Love you guys. Thank you for having me. I love you the most, Amanda. I love you more than Simone does. Wow! Everyone wow. sit That's down. A- we're going to get off so we can fight ball. down quarantining, but I may come to your house and throw throw rocks through your window, not in the romantic way, like throw rocks at your window, but like throw a brick through your window. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be fighting in the group chat here, Ash. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Um, we're going to say bye to everybody now. Bye. 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 bye.